to the church. It is so great to be with you. Hey, I love this church. And let me, let me just say this real quick. Um, uh, this is, I don't know if you believe in miracles, but this is a miracle. You have to understand. I, I remember when Jared and Jeannie were in Atlanta, and they, they, were, they had this idea five, five years ago, right? Five years ago that, hey, we feel like God's calling us to leave Atlanta uh, to go to Soul City Church, which I said, God is wrong. God is not calling you to do that. So they listened to God more than me, all right? And so uh, I just want to be clear that Soul City Church was not Jarrett and Jeannie's idea. Soul City Church was God's idea, which he loaned to Jarrett and Jeannie. And you two have been very, very, very incredible faithful stewards, among, as well as the team. And it's amazing. So if I see you in the lobby and I just come up and touch you, please don't be offended. Because <laughs> it's just like, you're real. This is actually working. So this is really, I, I'm so thrilled to be here. And hasn't this been an incredible series, by the way? I just think this has been an awesome series. Uh, Kyle Jenkins did awesome. Harvey Carey. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed the basketball theme that's been woven through this. Obviously, Kyle Corver, Chicago Bulls, Atlanta Hawks. Jeff Henderson, Troop McConnell Junior College. Uh, any uh, Troop McConnell fans? In the, no? No? Okay. All right. So I'll be signing basketballs in the lobby um, afterwards. But I'm really thrilled about what we're going to talk about. I love Chicago. Uh, I don't know what you've been doing. I, I asked Rebecca, what did she do this weekend? She said working. She asked me, what have I been doing? I said eating. I've been eating all weekend. Started with Malnati's and I've just been eating full force. Um, but I love this city and I love what you're doing as a part of this series, city. Now, what I want to do with this series today, I want to talk about something that I think is really important for all of you. And to illustrate that, let me ask you a question. Well, audience participation. How many of you have ever had a job before? Can I see that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Good. This is going to be relevant to you, right? How many of you have ever had a, a bad day on the job? Can I see your hand? Oh, yeah. That's okay. All right. This is going to be great. Can I start today and conclude this series by telling you the worst day I've ever had in my career? Is that okay? All right, start with a very negative, but at least this happened to me, not you, okay? Um, to understand this, you have to understand that um, I'm a preacher's kid, and I promised myself, I love my parents. My dad was my hero. He passed away last year. My mom's amazing. Uh, I grew up in the church, but I made myself a promise, and that promise was that I would never, ever, ever, never, Rebecca, ever work at a church, okay? Never, <laughs> all right? I promised God, God, I will never, ever, ever work at a church, Okay? So I've been a pastor for 11 years now, and um, so if you get nothing out of the talk, never tell God you're never going to do anything, all right? I think he kind of leans in and goes, oh, really? Okay, all right? I recently told God, God, I'm never going to be a billionaire. I'm going to see how he handles that one, all right? <laughs> so I grew up, didn't want to go to the church world, all right? So I, I loved marketing, and I loved sports, so I started sports, you know, I started a sports marketing career. So I started with the Atlanta Braves. Go Braves. Woo! All right, one, two, one. All right, all right, we'll talk in the lobby afterwards. All right, that's great. So I uh, did sports marketing and landed at a company, a quick service restaurant company called Chick-fil-A. And so I was the sports marketing director for them. And my role was to take the Chick-fil-A brand and sports marketing properties and help people eat more chicken. That was my role, okay? <laughs> and so um, we had a sports marketing property at the time, still do, called the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, which is a college football bowl game. It's big in the South. It takes a team from the Atlantic Coast Conference, a team from the Southeastern Conference, big game. And so my, my job was to kind of, you know, help create the brand, and, or not create the brand, but, you know, push the brand forward. So I had this idea one day. It was in the summer. I was standing at the Georgia Dome where we have the game, and I saw 72,000 seats, and at every seat there was a cup holder. And I thought, what if we could do this? What if we could put one of these bad boys and eat more chicken cow in the cup holders of the Georgia Dome? 72,000 of these, okay? Now, the problem was I didn't have this money in my budget to do this, but I knew someone who did. Truett Cathy, the man who invented the chicken sandwich, he, you know. So I marched my, you know, little bad self up to Truett's office, okay. 
I sat down and I cast vision for why we needed to do this and think about it, Truett, this is going to be awesome. And so he looked at me and said, Jeff, do you think we ought to do this? I said, yes, sir. I said, but I don't have the money in my budget, but I know you have the money in your budget. And he looked at me and he said, okay, let's do it. So I walked out of Truett's office, I got out my flip phone, called and and I ordered (laughs) me 72,000 cows, all right? Now, we had to figure out how to do this, all right? As my wife, Wendy, says, you're wow, but you're not how. You have no idea how to do any of this stuff, all right? So it took us about two days to figure this out, all right? So we get all these 72,000 cows in the cup holders. University of Virginia versus University of Georgia sold out game. Everybody's fired up. I stand in the press box two hours before the game because that's when they open the gates. So I wanted to see this moment. You know, families and friends come down, and they get their little cow. It's awesome. So people are coming down, and I'm standing in the press box, and I'm thinking, and I'm seeing this, and I'm thinking, oh, this is awesome. Whose idea was this? You know? And so it's awesome. So the game begins. Virginia scores first, 7 to nothing. They score again, 14 to nothing. And before the end of the first quarter, it's 21 to nothing Virginia in the Georgia Dome, and the Georgia fans are going crazy. Are we going to just get blown out today? So the University of Georgia comes, starts driving back. They're heading toward their end zone. They're going to get back in this ball game. Third down play, the official drops a flag, effectively killing the drive. And the Georgia fans go nuts. And there's a fan in the end zone. He looks at his cup holder. And he's really mad. So he takes his cow, and he dips it in a certain kind of a beverage to get more velocity. And he throws the cow onto the field. Now, Soul City Church, guess what happens next? Yeah, 20,000 of his closest friends throw their cows onto the field. And I suddenly see my marketing career flash before my eyes, all right? Y'all, they had to sweep the dead little cows off of the field. They had to call the game for a moment, right? So ESPN is covering this game across the world, all right? So they're having to fill the time, and one of the announcers says, and I quote, who was the marketing genius that came up with this idea, right? And so, as a result, I became a pastor. And that's kind of how I got here, okay? Now... The reason I say that is you've had your version of bad days at work too, all right? Now, here's the issue about work. I want to talk about work, all right? I want to talk about a job. I want to talk about every one of you raised your hand and said, yeah, I've had a job before. Here's why I want to talk about this. We're going to spend, I don't know if you know this or not, you're a smarter crowd than most of the churches I preach at, all right? So you know this. We are going to spend over half of our lives at work. Did you know that? You're going to spend over half of your life on a job. Now, that may be a stay-at-home parent, it may be a teacher, it may be a physical therapist, it may be, you know, a construction worker, whatever, but you're going to spend over half of your lives at work. And my experience in talking to people is there is this quiet restlessness that's burning in our souls, and it sounds something like this. Hey, Jeff, I'm glad I have a job, but I wish I had a job that had purpose. I wish I had a job that had meaning. There's a purpose, purposelessness for many of us. In fact, the Gallup organization has tried to figure this out for several years. Here's what they've discovered. They've discovered that over 80% of us, don't miss this, over 80% of us are dissatisfied with our jobs. So let's put this together, okay? We're going to spend over half of our lives at work doing something that we're completely dissatisfied with. Here's my question. Are we okay with that? Are we okay, are we okay with that? I mean, life is really, really short. Are we going to spend over half of our lives doing something that we're discontent and dissatisfied with? And here's my question, too. You think God's okay with that? You think God's okay with that? And this isn't a shame on us kind of question. This is your heavenly father loves you. He's for you. 
don't you think your heavenly father wants something more for you and me than just that? As a friend of mine says about work, he says, you know what? For me, Jeff, work is a penalty box between weekends. Work is a penalty box between weekends. By the way, that's a hockey reference. Go Blackhawks. All right, work, <laughs> work is a penalty box between, between weekends. Are, 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 we, are, we, are we okay with that? And see, what happens is, it, it, when it comes to God, when it comes to spiritual issues, you know, Sunday is the Lord's day, right? And Monday is my boss's day, right? On Sunday, we talk about our spiritual life. On Monday, we go back to our real life, as if there's this gigantic gap between Sunday and Monday. I just have to let you know today, Soul City Church, God doesn't see it that way. God doesn't see a gigantic gap between Sunday and Monday. In fact, Monday's just as important as Sunday. And what if it's possible for you and me to discover what I'm going to call a dream job? What if it's possible to begin to go on a journey? We may not get there today, probably won't get there today, but what if we go on a journey where we discover God's dream job for us, where we understand what God's purpose of work is and we understand how he's created us? And when we understand this, it's a powerful journey. So here's what I'm here to tell you today. It is possible whoever you are and wherever you are, for you to understand God's purpose of work and for you to begin to go or to continue to go on a journey to discover your dream job. And your heavenly Father loves you so much, he's not content to let you be in the 80% of people who are going to spend over half of their lives doing something that they're discontent and dissatisfied with. He's not content with that. Not because he's disappointed with you, because he loves you, Okay. So here's what we're going to discuss today. We're going to discuss this question, all right? And the question is this, what is the purpose of work? What is the purpose of work? Now, many of us have been working for a long time, maybe since high school, and we've, we, we kind of think we understand the answer to this, but I don't know if we've really put a lot of thought into this. Maybe this is why, maybe the reason why 80% of us are dissatisfied with work is we've never really talked about this. Now, remember your first job? Remember your first job in high school? Where was your first job? My first job was as a busboy at the Peachtree World of Tennis uh, in Atlanta. By the way, if you've ever been to Atlanta, everything, ironically, is named Peachtree. But if you've ever noticed, we have no peach trees in Atlanta. It's really, uh, really odd, okay? So I was the busboy at Peachtree World of Tennis. You know, got to think back in the 80s. I got long hair. Uh, there was a candle here, and I had to bust the table. So this is my first day at work. So I'm busting my first table. I moved the candle over here, and I, I smell something burning. But I don't see anything on fire. I think, well, that's odd. So I, I, I still smell something burning. And I didn't know this, but my hair had caught on fire. And I had to take the two water pitchers here and dump them on my head. That was an inaus inauspicious beginning. Uh, so I went from there to the cow story. It's been a rough career, people. It's been a, it's been a rough career, all right? But remember when you got the first paycheck? $117. I am the king of the world, people. I mean, that first paycheck was amazing. So many of us have been working since high school, and maybe we've never paused to answer this question. What is the purpose of work? So if you, if you force people to answer the question, here's some of the answers we give. All right, what is the purpose of work? Well, number one, pay the bills, right? As the old bumper sticker says, I owe, I owe, off to work I go, right? So there's that one. How about this one? We pay the bills. Um, there's success, right? A measure of success. This, by the way, is why we have high school reunions. 
right? We're, we all go in there. We're trying to measure. That's why we do high school reunions, if you just know, because of this. The other one is, I just say meaning. You know, we're, we're trying to find some kind of meaning with life, trying to make purpose of it, right? We're trying to find our meaning. And then the fourth one is kind of tied into the first one, but it's separate. It's this one. It's this one. Money, 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 money. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I love it. I love it. It's a little different from this one because, you know, hey, I want to go on that dream vacation. I got to get the, get the new iPhone 12, all that kind of stuff, <laughs> right? So, hey, I'm not saying, please don't hear me, Soul City Church. I'm not saying that there's something wrong with this. I'm not saying that there's anything evil with this. I'm not saying there's anything sinful with this. I'm just saying this, ironically, none of these are the purpose of work. So many people around the world tomorrow are going to go after this tomorrow, and it's why they're going to land in the 80% saying, okay, I know why I have to do this, but there's something missing here. You know what's something missing here? We don't understand the purpose of work. And here's what's, here's, what's, here's, here's what's at stake, all right? When it comes to finding the purpose of work, here's what we need to do and understand. We will never understand our purpose at work until we understand the purpose of work, all right? We're, going to, we're never going to understand it. We're never going to understand this at work until we understand the purpose of work. So what I want to do is I want to unpack what is God trying to do when it comes to work? Now, here's what we're going to discover. We're going to discover something very powerful. Did you know that work was actually God's idea? Did you know that? It wasn't a king or queen. It wasn't a president or politician. It wasn't an economist or entrepreneur or business tycoon. It was God's idea. So if we're going to, have to, if we're going to understand this and start a journey toward discovering our dream job and what God might want us to do with our work and our lives, at least that 50% or over 50% that we're going to spend our lives in, what we have to do is kind of hit the reboot, restart button, and rebuild our perspective of work based on what God's perspective of work is because it was his idea. So we're going to go back to the original source. Now, when you ask people, where was, where was work first referenced in the scriptures, people typically I want to show you where people typically point to. They point to Genesis chapter 3. So if you got your Bibles here at Soul City Church, which I love how you do this, it's on page 3, Genesis chapter 3. Just a little bit of a heads up. This is not a very encouraging three verses. All right, we're going to, we're going to move past this real fast. But um, tell you a little backdrop of the story, and then I'm going to read this first. Uh, the backdrop of this story is very beginning, all right? Adam and Eve. I mean, we're going to the very, back, very beginning, right? Uh, God creates the heavens and the earth. He places Adam and Eve in this perfect garden. And you've probably heard this story. And if you're here today and you would say, Jeff, I don't believe in the Adam and Eve story, hey, totally understand that. I'm totally with you. We believe it at Soul City Church. One of the reasons we believe it is because Jesus references it and Jesus believes it. So we just go, if the guy like Jesus says, I'm going to die and rise from the dead, and he does that, we just go with whatever he believes, okay, and says. So he actually believes this story. But whether you believe this story or not, you can still journey with us. But the story is, is that Adam and Eve is set in this perfect garden. God says, hey, this is going to be awesome, but here's this fruit of the tree over here. Don't eat of this fruit of the tree, because if you eat of this fruit of the tree, everything's going to fall apart. Everything's going to go wrong. And they do. And so sin and devastation enters the world. And you know that story. And so God, as a result of that, says this. And there's work referenced in this story. He says this. He says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. That's very encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> Now, you may not believe in the story, but here's what we've all experienced. We've all done this word right here. We've all toiled. You've toiled at a cubicle. You've toiled with kids. Maybe you've toiled as a parent. You've toiled at a construction site. You've toiled at a restaurant. 
thank you so much for toiling at restaurants in Chicago. I love it. You have toiled, all right? You have sweat by your brow. Work is hard. And so the thought is, is that God introduced work as a curse for us. No wonder 80% of us aren't having a great time because it's a curse from God. But this isn't the first place work is referenced. Work is actually referenced before everything falls apart. When everything is perfect, when everything is ideal, God goes, I got an idea. Oh, that's, this is great. This is great. And this is what he says. Genesis chapter 2. We're going very back. This is the first place work is ever mentioned. Genesis chapter 2 says this. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to, and here's our word, work it and take care of it. God in the garden of Eden comes up with two great ideas. One is work. The other is sex. That's another sermon. Okay? <laughs> Just seeing if you're still paying attention. All right? So everybody perked up. Okay, great, great. We probably, we probably won't do that at 1030 or 1230, okay? So, so God has this great idea and says, work. I, I, I'm going I, to create, I'm going to give them this incredible idea. So here, here's why this is important, all right? You have to understand this if we're going to discover our dream job and start going on this journey, all right? You have to understand this. Work, work is not cursed. The conditions around work are cursed. It's a gigantic difference, all right? The idea of work is still possible to be redeemed and restored. So work is not cursed. The conditions around work are cursed. This means that the purpose of work can be restored and redeemed. Yeah, hey, you're still going to sweat by your brow. You're still going to toil. But in the middle of all that, there's a good exhaustion. You know, there's a, there's a bad exhaustion and a good exhaustion. You know the difference, right? The bad exhaustion is you do all this work and you're like, what am I doing this for? A good exhaustion is you're tired, but it's a good tired. God wants you to experience a good tired, all right? He wants you to experience a good tired. So to get there, again, we have, we're working through this. What is the purpose of work? What is the purpose of work? It's God, God's idea. It can be redeemed and restored. So many, 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 many years later, there's a guy that appears on the scene. His, name's the, his name is the Apostle Paul, and he writes what I believe, in my humble opinion, what do I know? I'm from Georgia, but in my humble opinion, I believe he writes the definitive statement about work. And in this statement, what we're going to do is dig deep and bring out the purpose of work. And what this means is there is no such thing as a job without purpose when you understand what God's idea about work really is. That when people say, I wish I had a job with purpose, I understand that. I'm empathetic to that. But what I have to say in response to that is there is no such thing as a job without purpose when you understand what the purpose of work is really is. And so the Apostle Paul writes this to you and me. God actually writes it through him, and he says this. Whatever you do, here's our word again, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, this is so huge, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, I want to start with this word right here, whatever. Now, please hang with me, Soul City Church. I did a lot of work on this, okay? I, I, I tried to dig deep down into the original Greek language. What, is, what does the word whatever mean in the original Greek? Okay, I spent a lot of time on this, so don't miss this. Um, the word whatever in the Greek means whatever, all right? So, so what this means is, is that whatever you do tomorrow, you have an opportunity to experience the purpose of work. See, when I transitioned from the business world to church world, people came up to me and said, hey, now tell me about your journey from 
the business world to full-time ministry? I hate that question because I was always already in full-time ministry. See, if you're a Jesus follower, you're already in full-time ministry. I don't know what we need. If I need to do this number, we can do that too. We can throw water on you. I don't know what we need to do, but you're in full-time ministry. If you're a construction worker, you're in full-time ministry. If you're a teacher, good gracious, you're in full-time ministry, right? If you're in marketing, you're in full-time ministry. If you're a stay-at-home parent, you're in full-time ministry. Whatever it is that you do, work at it with all your heart. And that boss that you go to tomorrow, you're actually not working for her or him. If you're a Jesus follower, you're actually working for Jesus. And so when you understand that, here's what we understand. Here's the purpose. If, if I can write out the purpose statement based on this verse, here's the purpose of work. It sounds like this. The purpose of your life at work is to show that God is at work in your life. That's it. The purpose of your life at work is to show that God is at work in your life, doing something remarkable through you, bringing you up to be the man or the woman that God is calling you to be. This is what he's doing. And so when you go to work, wherever it is that you go, or if you're in a job transition right now, that's a job in and of itself. Wherever you do, whatever it is that you do tomorrow, you have an opportunity to display to the world, your world, that God, Jesus, is at work in your life. And as a result of that, you glorify him on the job. And here's what's so important about that. That's where you're going to spend over half of your life at work. No wonder God's interested in this. Because if we don't understand this, then we rob God of potential glory on the job site. Now, here's the problem with this statement, all right? If we're not, if we're not careful, we can get really Christian cheese ball with this statement really fast, all right? Because here's what we think, you know, we could carry this out and go, okay, what does this tangibly mean? Am I supposed to be handing out Bible verses at the break room? No, please do not do that, all right? I mean, in Christian world, I can say this, all right, because I'm going to fly back to Atlanta if this offends you, all right? So, um, but in Christian world, we can get really cheesy really fast, and we can really offend people really fast. Like, let me tell you one of the worst ideas that, I, that I've ever seen. It's in the re- I was, you know, in the restaurant industry. I love people that work in the restaurant industry, and there's this thing in Christian world where you leave a $50 tip on the table, and you come over, and you realize, Oh, it's not a $50 tip. It's like, and it says, disappointed? You won't be when you understand the eternal riches of Jesus in heaven, all right? You're thinking I'm making this up. This is, this is, this is really, a, this is a real idea that somebody, some poor soul came up with. And, and if it sounds like I'm being critical, it's because I am, all right? Now, so we need to be real, real genuine with people, all right? And not only about our work, but about other people's work. Uh, this past week, I was having uh, lunch with two friends of mine, and these guys are amazing. And so we were just talking to the waitress and, you know, just, just, you know, just talk about her. and what, what do you want to do with your life? And tell us about this job and all this stuff. So the manager comes over, and he says this to us. He goes, I just want to let you know, in our industry, we deal with a lot of mean people, a lot of mean customers. And our waitress is in the back telling, her, telling, us, telling me how much she enjoyed and how, just having a conversation with you and how nice y'all are to her. And at the middle, you know, I, this, is, this is a guy that works. He's got a big business, so he, fortunately, he paid the check, and he wrote a gigantic tip, and he just said, God bless you. Her name was Aaron. God bless you, Aaron, David. I don't know what God's going to do with that, but they just rub shoulders with Jesus people, all right? And when we rub shoulders with Jesus people in the workplace, it should have a profound impact. And what this means is, is wherever you go tomorrow, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, which means excellence matters. 
excellence really matters. In fact, let me show you two of my favorite quotes from Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer. This is what Martin Luther said. He said, the maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays, amen. Not because she might sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. <laughs> I love that. So if you're, if you're a maid and if you think, oh, you know what? The, that Jarrett and Jeannie, oh man, I tell you what, God's really using them. It's true, God really is using them, but God's using you as well because God loves clean floors. God loves you working hard. Why is that? Because whatever, whatever, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord, all right? Martin Luther continues, I love this. He says this. He says, the Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. That is so true. Do it with all of your heart. It is a ministry. And the reason this is important is the purpose of your life at work is to show that God is at work in your life. And here's, here's what we, as for those of you who are Jesus followers today, here should be part of our dream. We should want people in the business world to say, you know what? I'm not sure I buy into this whole Jesus thing. You know, I'm not sure I buy into this guy that rose from the dead. I don't know. But the thing I know is I'm starting a new business, and the thing I've got to have if I'm going to start this new business, i got to hire Christians. I just got to hire those Jesus followers. They may believe some weird stuff, but they work hard. They're honest. They're humble. They're excellent. I mean, I just got to hire those Christian people because they're amazing. And as that person, as she starts her business, starts her restaurant, and hires this Jesus people, something's going to happen in that daily interaction. Jesus followers are going to rub off on the owner of the business, and he or she will ultimately maybe say, Maybe it's true. Maybe Jesus really is the Son of God. And work is a platform for you, okay? And at some point, yes, you can talk about Jesus. Yes, at some point, if you pray, God, give me opportunities. But at the end of the day, we've, excellence really does matter. Showing up on time, doing your hardest, working with confident humility, all of that is incredibly important because it glorifies God in the process. And what this means is, is that whether you know it or not, tomorrow you can experience this purpose. Even if you don't really enjoy your job right now, you can experience your purpose right now. It's why there is no such thing as a job without purpose. Why is that? Because the purpose of your life at work is to show that God is at work in your life. All right? Now, Here's the other thing. There's, there's, there's kind of two things we're going after. There's one is purpose, and there one, there, there's something called God's plans for your life, okay? Now, to say that God, you can experience God's purpose for your life tomorrow is true, but I also believe that God has a certain plan for you. God has certain, certain things that he's wired you to be about, okay? So let me give you an example of this, and let me, let me tell you how I say it, okay? So the, the two things I, I'm going to give you today that I want you to walk away with, the purpose statement, right? The purpose of your life at work is to show that God is at work in your life. But the other thing I want you to begin, and this is going to be more of a journey than something you necessarily discover tomorrow. The other thing I want you to discover is God, how God has uniquely created and crafted you, okay? This is really important. And if we're not careful, we'll spend most of our lives wishing that we were someone else. God doesn't want that. God has some unique thumbprints on you. And here's how I say this. If you want to discover God's will for your life, your dream job, here's something you're going to have to discover, all right? I say it this way. God's, God's thumbprints on you are clues about his plans for you. 
All right? God's thumbprints on you are clues about his plans for you. The things that you're really good at, that's clues about his plans for you. Okay? Now, do you know who doesn't get this? Let me tell you who doesn't get this. It's typically the people on the first three weeks of American Idol. <laughs> right? Because they come in and they go, hey, I am going to be a singer. I mean, it is God's will for me to be a singer. And so they sing, and the rest of America says, it is not God's will for you to be a singer, okay? So there are these thumbprints on us. And what happens is, is the things that we're naturally good at, we assume everyone else is good at because it's easy for you, right? And the other thing that we're assume, we assume if we're not careful, or the thing that we do, is when someone comes up to us and says, hey, you know what? You're good at that. You're really good at leading that meeting. You're really good at, at teaching. You're really good at designing things. What happens in Christian world is we say this. We, we're trying to be humble. We go, no, no, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that. That's not humility. That's false humility. You know when somebody tells you you're good at something, you know what they're saying? They're saying, I see a thumbprint. I see a thumbprint. And rather than go, no, I'm not good at that, you need to say this. You need to say, thank you. Thank you. And maybe I need to pay attention to that. And the reason so many people can't discover their dream jobs is they don't understand God's thumbprints on them. And if you don't understand God's thumbprints on you, you're not going to discover his plans for you. God has uniquely wired you. Rebecca, I'm so sorry to pick on you. God has uniquely wired you, okay? Let me pick on Simon. Where's Simon? Simon. There's Simon right there. Simon, God has uniquely put his thumbprints on you, okay? It's true. It's true. We've known each other an hour, but I can already tell you. Um, actually, just 45 minutes. Um, God's thumbprints are on you, Okay? It's not egotistical to try to figure that out. It's actually a godly thing to do to figure out. Go, well, what, are, what, are, what are my thumbprints? When I was, uh, spent my years in marketing, um, uh, before that, I, I grew up, my dad and I would go around and, and speak to churches. And so I was working at a resort in Atlanta called Lake Lanier Islands, and my dad called me one day and said, hey, a friend of mine has called me, and uh, he, he's got to go out of town for an emergency, and he's wanting me to preach at his church. I can't, but I was going to see, hey, would you be willing to preach at his church? So I said, okay, I'll, I'll do that. You know, and again, I'm a marketing guy. So I went to preach at this little church in Atlanta. And uh, this is kind of an old-school church where you preach, and you go to the back of the church, and everybody files out, and you shake their hand. It's like real, real-time sermon feedback before Twitter. You know, it's like, hey, you know, you can tell the people that, you know, Hey, you were asleep the whole time, and you said it was a great, you know, great sermon. So anyway, so people are finding out. It's kind of an older church. And so this older lady comes by, and, and, and she, she looks at me, and she says, uh, she said, you've missed it. I said, excuse me? She goes, you've missed it. And I, I, I said, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand. She goes, your, your sermon. She goes, you, you have a gift. And I thought, oh, oh she's, try, she's being complimentary. And I said, oh, thank you. She was not here to be encouraging. I mean, she's 80 plus, so when you're 80 plus, you can just tell people what you really think, right? <laughs> so she said, young man, you've missed it. He goes, I don't know, you work at some lake? I don't know what that is. But what I saw up there was a gift that God's given you, and you're wasting the gift. And someday, you're going to have to stand before God and give an account. And she walked away. Where's that lady now? That's what I want to know, right? <laughs> now, the point is, is that was a thumbprint on me, you know? And let me just be honest with you. I'm not the greatest communicator in the world, obviously, but this is a gift that I have. And for me to say, ah, oh, no, 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 that's not, that's not humility. It's false humility. Same is true for you. 
So, so you got, but you got to discover this, okay? You've got to be curious about this. If I were to come up to you at the lobby, and I won't do this, so don't be concerned, but if I were to come up and tell you, what, what, are, what are your five top strengths? You need to tell me, okay? So next year when I'm here, if I'm invited back, I'm going to ask you that, all right? And you should go on a journey between now and next summer to try to figure that out. It's a godly thing to do. So how do you do that? Well, can I give you two ideas? I'm not even saying these are the best ideas, but they're two ideas. They're two ideas that I think are good ideas, all right? Here's the first thing. Email five friends and ask, what do you think are my strengths and gifts? What do you think? I did this 15 years ago, and people reflected back things to me that I'm like, really? That's a gift? I didn't know that was a gift. I just thought everybody did that. You have to ask people, I want to discover what my dream job is. Can you tell me what I'm good at? Now, they're not going to tell you, and this is what, you should be a doctor. You know, that's not what they're going to say, but they're going to say, you know what? You're really good at this. It's a clue. It's a thumbprint. The other thing, uh, read these two books. I'm not, I didn't write these books. I don't even know the guy that wrote these. I'm not, you, they're, they're, there may be better books. I'm just saying there's a book called Stand Out and call, another book called Now Discover Your Strengths. It's, it, has, it has tests at the back of the book. Uh, when you read this book, it's going to say, hey, here are my five strengths. Here are my two standout themes. And then um, what I've done at my team, my church, I get our staff together, and we begin to encourage each other and go, oh, that's so true. Oh, that's so true. Let me tell you how this plays out, okay? Now, the reason this is important is this helps you discover what God's thumbprints are. And when you discover God's thumbprints on you, they're clues about his plans for you, all right? Okay? So the reason, let me put all of this together, okay? The reason we're talking about this today is, and you may be the exception to the rule, but most of us are going to spend over half of our lives at work, at a job, all right? And I don't want you, Jared and Jeannie don't want you, Jesus doesn't want you to be in the 80% of people who are dissatisfied, okay? So here's what we're going to talk about. I mean, here's where we've been going. I want you to discover your dream job, all right? Now, again, you may not discover it tomorrow, but you can experience the purpose of work. And if you'll become curious and try to discover the thumbprints that God has on you, oh, I'm telling you, I think before you know it, you will be on a journey of seeing how God leverages that time at work for his glory, all right? And don't miss this. This isn't just about you. More importantly, it's about God gaining the proper glory in and through your life. Don't waste that, all right? So here's what we're going to do today. When you leave, we're going to give you this little card, all right? And I would love for you to put this card at your, if you've got a cubicle at work or your workstation or whatever. Um, and, and basically, here's what the two things that this little card is going to say, and I'll read this. But basically, it's going to talk about the purpose of work, the purpose statement, right? And the second thing it's going to talk about is God's thumbprints on you. And I just want this to be a reminder for you that this is what I'm going to do. I can experience God's purpose today. And now my goal is, and my job is to discover God's thumbprints on me. Because the purpose of your life at work is to show that God's at work in your life. And God's thumbprints on you are clues about his plans for you. And if we'll journey toward that, we will discover our dream job. But more importantly than that, we will give God glory at work. All right? So here's what I want us to do, if you're okay with this. I'm going to lead us in prayer. But would you do this? You can just do this right where you're seated. Can you just hold your hands out like this? And by doing this, you're just, in essence, saying, God, I'm going to give you this just this week. Let's just start with this week. So you just close your eyes. I want to lead you in a prayer. And you can just stay right, seated right where you are. But by holding your hands out, you're giving God this week to say, okay, God, I am going to give you Monday. <laughs> I, I'm going to give you Monday and whatever it is that I go do. 
if I'm looking for a job, stay-at-home parent, whatever it may be, teacher, marketing, designer, restaurant, whatever it may be, my hands are open up, and for this, this week and Monday, I'm going to give you Monday. And can something happen this week? I'm going to approach this job with confident humility. I'm going to do my very best. I'm going to work as unto you and not my boss, and I'm going to give you Monday. And God, what I'm also going to give you is I'm going to give you my time to discover what, my, what, what your thumbprints on me are. I'm going to give you time. I'm going to be curious about this. I'm going to do the work because ultimately it's not about me. It's about me giving you the glory at work. And so Jesus, Holy Spirit, I pray for my dear brothers and sisters at Soul City. As you see, their hands are out towards you. May you do something this week that's so significant, that's so marking for them that they would know that there's, that's just not a coincidence. There are no such things as coincidences, that this is from you. And may they discover the thumbprints that will lead them toward the dream job so that you can gain glory in our lives. We love you. And we just don't want that, that time in our lives that we spend on the job to be time that doesn't give you the glory that you need. So help us to be wise about what we're going to do. Help us to be wise about your thumbprints. And thank you for the idea of work. Now give us the, the humility and the confidence and the courage to pursue what you've called us to do. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.